Well, great big good morning to you. Welcome here in live, down in Blen, down in Amped, across Rowan County, over to Bearden. It's good to be together this weekend. Hope you're having a good weekend. Anybody like me tired of the storms? It just keeps storming, doesn't it? As you drove through, maybe from your house somewhere else this week, did you see these massive trees that fell? I mean, massive trees, like 70, 80 feet tall trees falling across roads with their roots all exposed. It's crazy, is it not? Is it not? Yeah. All right, there we go. We're together on this thing today, yes? Hey, and it's not lost on me. The parallel to life isn't lost. Some of you are in storms right now. Some of you are in a storm of your life right now, and you're thinking, wow, I don't even know how I'm going to survive this thing. And some of us are just in a holding pattern until the next one comes. Wow, that's the good news, huh? <laughs> going to start off on a positive note today. And yeah, I, I, I really do believe that that's the reality that we live in. And it reminds me of a, a verse or a couple verses from Jeremiah where we're told this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Get this, he says, He's like a tree planted by the water and sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, nor does it cease to bear fruit. Hey, when the storms of life come, if we're a people that are, are firmly rooted in who God is, then the storms can come and have their way with us. We're not anxious or fearful about it. And that's where we've been, thinking about um, where we are as, as a people of gospel people. We've been in a series called Fluency of the Gospel or Gospel Fluency. And if you don't have a Mark journal, you can get in your Mark journal now or turn in your Bibles. And since it's 4th of July week and I got a special deal for every one of you, we got a ton of Mark journals out there. We're halfway through the series. If you haven't gotten one yet and you don't have the cash, don't worry about the cash. Just pick up a journal, grab one on your way out today. We'd love for you to actually follow along with us. But we're in a series called The, the Gospel, Fluency in the Gospel. And, and what we're longing for us to grasp and understand is what does it mean to be gospel people? And the truth of the matter is, those who are firmly, firmly established when the storms come are people, are followers of Jesus who are rooted firmly in the gospel. That's who we are. Jesus said back in the first chapter of Mark, three or four weeks back in our series, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what he's saying about that is, hey, it's here. I'm here. I'm present. And the king has come to reign and to rule. And so those of us who are going to survive the storms of life are going to be people who are gospel people who are actually rooted in the gospel of, of Christ himself. And, and Jesus is going to move in this series. So if you're just joining us, you're like, wow, I haven't been here for the first three or four weeks. Where are we? I can bring you up to speed in less than a, a minute or two. And I talk fast, too, so you stay with me, right? <laughs> hey, in, in, in the gospel so far, in the gospel of Mark, what Jesus has done, he started to gather some followers. He's called the disciples to himself. There's a lot of people that are following him. The opposition's gaining and growing. In fact, people are, uh, are, are, are pretty stirred up by the words he's saying as he's talking about this new kingdom. And yet, in chapter 4, what he gets into, he starts to actually describe and define what this kingdom's all about. And he does through, through parables. He does so through parables. He's teaching through parables. Parables are just stories that have a spiritual truth. And so he's saying, I want to give you story after story after story and tell you what the kingdom of God's all about, what I've come. When I say the kingdom of God's at hand and to turn and to repent and to believe in the gospel, here's what I'm talking about. And Jesus breaks the news to these folks through story. And here's what I want you to grasp as we spend some time in the word today. That the good news, the good news takes root when we press in. It takes root when we press in. And we're going to press in right now. If you're if you've got a Bible, if you've got a journal, or you can watch on the screen here, we're going to hunker down and read 34 verses. We can do it, yes? And here's what I want you to grasp in these 34 verses. You know when someone says back in the day, like, hey, 
I don't even think there's many red Volkswagens anymore, but back in the day, if you talked about red Volkswagens, you'd leave your house and all you could see were red Volkswagens. So the vernacular in, in Tennessee is Jeeps. So if I told you to look for a Jeep today, you're going to be blown away with how many Jeeps you see on the way home. And so the same thing's true in this passage. Jesus is saying to these folks, he goes, I want you to, I want you to hear something. I want you to listen. Listen up. Here, he goes over and over and over. This idea of listening and hearing is embedded throughout what he wants to say to them through story. So let's jump in. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. And listen for the words, listen and hearing. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea and the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, what? Listen. Say it louder. Listen. There you go. I heard you in the other venues, too. Thank you for that. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came along and devoured it. Other seed fell along rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may, may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And so Jesus begins to explain. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes in and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others on the, uh, are the ones sown among the thorns. And those are the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? No, not, not so, but, but to be put on a stand. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who's, who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. 
And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Did you hear the word here? I hope you caught it several times here. Listen, he says over and over and over. Jesus is saying, I want you to hear what I'm saying. He's calling them to listen, to pay attention. And let me just tell you, if you've got a red-letter Bible, most of what we just read was the red-letter edition. It was Jesus' words himself. He's saying, I want you to hear what I'm saying. And he's calling them to be in a place of really receiving the word, what God is saying to them. It reminds me of our, our study last year, if you've been with us for the year or so. Remember the Shema? We studied the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And he talks about biblical hearing. We unpacked this a while. Biblical hearing isn't just hearing a story or listening. And Well, that's an interesting thought or idea or concept. Biblical hearing is, is hearing the word and allowing it to be embedded so much so in how we think, feel, believe that it has its play in our lives. Biblical hearing has, has a response to it where we, we find ourselves being absorbed by the truth of what's being said, and it now has an implication in our world and in our lives. That's what he's calling us to. King Jesus. King Jesus. Remember? I'm going to go back to chapter 1 a couple times. King Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God's at hand. I want you to hear what I want to say to you about this kingdom. First principle I want you to grasp this weekend is this. We need to lean in to hear. We need to lean in. You need to be intentionally leaning in to hear what God is saying. It's not just words. I'm getting older. I don't see that as a slam. I'm proud to be old. Every year I get, I'm like, this is awesome, right? But being older comes with some complications. Out at a restaurant, I can't hear. Anybody? Oh, me, okay. I can't hear sometimes in a restaurant. You got the kitchen in the back. You got conversations happening all around you. And so what I find myself doing is, is moving my chair up a little closer to the person I'm sitting across from and leaning in. And when it's Terry, it looks like at a distance, well, that's sweet. It's romantic. What a sweet old couple, right? <laughs> but when anyone else, it looks a little awkward. It's a little bizarre to be leaning into somebody, like looking at their lips, trying to see what you're agreeing to, right? There's, there's a, a piece of this where God's calling us. He says, I want you to hear. I want you to lean in. I want you to be attentive to what I'm saying. Jesus is calling us to listen attentively, to lean in to hear. And a lot of us don't want to hear. We don't like to be told what to do. Do you? Truth be told, I don't care how old you are, nobody likes to be told what to do. You may look like you do, and you handle it better than most people on the outside. Nobody wants to be told what to do. No, not a one of us. Not a one of us. Sorry, I got a little high there. Greg Brady. <laughs> not a one of us want to be told what to do. And yet, listen up. This is King Jesus. King Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God's at hand. I'm going to tell you what to do. He's telling us what to do. And what he's telling us to do is listen up. Lean in to what I'm going to say to you about the kingdom. Listen. And he says it over and over again in this text. It's a directive. It's an imperative. You know what an imperative is? It means you must do this thing. Jesus is saying as he's describing his kingdom, this upside-down kingdom, the kingdom that's now at hand in which he's the king, he says, I want you to grasp this. I want you to hear this. I want you to lean in. And so he says over and over emphatically throughout these parables, listen. Listen with an ear that's attentive. We see it first in verse 3. The first imperative he says is what? Listen. Listen. Now, if you look at the story... These folks came to listen. There were a ton of folks in the region who'd gathered to hear what Jesus had to say. In fact, they traveled all over just to get to a place where they could hear him. And so there were so many there, they were crushing in. They put Jesus in a boat and pushed him out into the water a little bit so he'd have a, a greater space to be able to be heard by people. So when he says to these people, listen, it's not like a call to, hey, we're going to get started now. It's not that at all. What he's saying to them is, listen, 
I want you to hear what the kingdom of God's all about. It's, it's transferring the reign of your life to the reign of King Jesus. Listen, he says. He says again, verse 9, another imperative to listen. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. After he was actually describing the, the parable itself, the first parable of the seeds, he gives them a directive. He says, listen, not just to the words, not just to the, the things I'm, I'm saying out loud, but, but to the reality of what the implication of this is for you and in your life, to be following and surrendering yourself to a king. Hearing that leads to action, turning from self-reign again to the reign of King Jesus. And he says it again in verse 23. Hey, he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The call for us is to engage. The call, the call for us, you don't, you don't lean in unless you're willing to engage. And what, what are you saying? What, what, what implication might this have for me? Now, we know that others have hurt us when they do what they're told. Yes? You know that others have hurt us when they do what they're told. Let me flip it on the other side. You know that you have heard when you do what you're told, right? It goes both ways. And some of us practice selective hearing. I know I practice selective hearing. Anybody? All right. This is, this is a not very deep illustration, but it proves my point. Terry walked me through the house. My wife's name's Terry. And we have a lot of house plants, inside and outside. Somebody's given us some plants, and it's this huge deal in our life. We've got to take care of all these plants. And so she walked me through the house, and she's pointing out this one and that one. And, well, this one gets this much water. This one doesn't get that much water. This, this one you've got to water almost every other day. This one you don't want to water but, but several months. And, like, I'm walking around the house, and all I hear is blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and what I hear is plants, water. So I water those plants every day. Just... <laughs> I want to do what I'm told to do, right? So I'm watering those plants every day. I almost drown those leafy, leafy friends of hers. So the upside of this is I got taken off plant duty. <laughs> but the reality of what she's saying is, listen to me, hear me. Don't just patronize me, but listen to the place where it has an impact on how you're going to live and do what I've told you to do. Jesus is saying the same thing here. He says it again, another imperative, the fourth time he drills down. In verse 24, he says, pay attention. He says, pay attention. He's not just saying in this beautiful blue sash and white robe, hey, it'd be nice if you just paid attention. He's out on the boat going, pay attention to what I'm telling you. This is life-altering for you. Pay attention. Listen up. Lean into what I'm saying to you. And in and throughout all these parables, Jesus is describing how pressing in roots us in the gospel. It roots us in the very gospel he's, he's, called, he's called us to, the reign and rule of Jesus in every aspect of our lives, or how it doesn't. It either roots us there or it doesn't. Back to the parable of the, the sower and the, and the first seeds. Like hey, He said some seed fell along right there on the path, right there in plain view. And before you knew it, Satan came in and swooped it up. Some seed fell along the, the, the rocky area where there's a little bit of gravel there, but it didn't go very deep because its roots didn't have an opportunity to go very deep. And hey, the, the, the cares of this world came in and they kind of stole it away. Some seed fell around the thorns where our ideas and our thoughts for greater things and the things of this world took precedent. And what he's saying is some of you have selectively heard him. What you've selectively heard is, hey, I'm not going to dig in. I'm not going to dive deep. But some seed fell along, he says, the good soil. And the good soil is where the seed has an opportunity to multiply and to get some root in it and, and to gain 30, 60, 100 fold where it's multiplied itself. That's where he's calling us to. And though there are multiple interpretations I got lost in this for a couple days, a week or so ago. There's a multiple list of interpretations. In fact, if you look at um, the, 
the synoptic gospels where, you know, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, they all have different, really, if you look at them, different applications to what's being said here. And even the, the literary critics go, we're, we're not sure about what the applications are here. In fact, they could go in a bunch of different directions. So whether you're unsure about what its applications are, here's what I want you to walk away with. The truth is, all would agree that the sown seed is a picture of the kingdom of God and the reign and rule of Jesus in our life. The sown seed is a picture of the kingdom of God and his reign and rule in our lives. That's what he's pointing at. So whether you apply this to those outside the faith where the this, you know, the first three seeds were swept away and evil one came in or the worries of this world or the things that um, were more important to us than God swept us away. Or whether you look at those opportunities as believers, as believers, there's things that God says to me that are true right there in plain, plain sight. And I go, yeah, I don't want to deal with that right now. Or, you know, the cares of this world kind of sweep in and, and keep, me, keep me at a distance from actually allowing the reign and rule to have its proper place in my life. Whether you see those as outside the faith or inside the faith, or maybe like I do as both, I think the interpretation can go both ways. Whether you see them, whatever which way you see them, the reality is the sown seed is a picture of the kingdom of God and his reign and rule that he, he, he's calling us to, he's urging us to have. There's not one of us who's completely in the good soil living the good life every day perfectly, right? I mean, is there one of us that's, that's got this thing down? There's not a one of us who's actually living this thing completely in every aspect of our lives. And yet every one of us daily, daily find ourselves in a place where we need to actually invest more in what God said to us so we can step into even greater ways and even greater ways. And I know from experience and from this text, when we lean in, God gives more. When we lean in, God gives more. No matter how frail or potent your faith and your pursuit of Jesus is right now, the more you lean in, the more God gives. Those who received the word, they accepted it. And what happened? It says in the parable that it got multiplied in their lives. You know, there's folks who love the parables, and they, they see them as straightforward. Hey, these are great stories. They're just straightforward, and they walk away with this idea that I, I, I love the stories that Jesus tells because I, I know what to do with them. And, and, and that's Good on you. That's great. There's a lot of us who wrestle with the parables. I wrestle with the parables. Sometimes when it's application, it gets to the point of application. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it. In fact, I get confused about this, and I'm, I'm not sure, like, what is he saying? And here's where I find myself in great company. And, you know, I never saw this verse until the last few weeks. I mean, I've read it probably a, a hundred times, but I never saw this verse until the last few weeks. And I got to tell you, it's encouraged me. I hope it encourages you. And if you have a Bible and you're underlining in your Bible, underline verse 10. And he says this, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. They didn't get it either. Isn't that encouraging? When, they, when he was alone, Jesus got up on the boat. He had this beautiful story about these parables and these sowers and these seeds and everything. And it says the followers and the disciples, so it wasn't just the disciples, but those who were listening said, Hey, hey, we don't get it. Explain it to us. Explain it to us. And, and, and Jesus did. He was the good teacher. He was the good rabbi. Rabbis love to explain. They love to have conversations about spiritual truths. And so as they leaned in, as they actually leaned in and asked for more, God gave them more. He was their teacher. I hope when you're reading the Word and questions arise that you ask Jesus, I don't get this. What's this mean? Don't walk away feeling like, well, everybody else must understand this. I don't get it. I must be the, the guy at the back of the class. No, you, you're the fact that you're asking the question puts you right up front of the class. I mean, that's, that's actually engaging in what he's calling us to. He says, I want you to ask for more. And those who ask for more, those who invest with more, I'm going to give you more. 
Our questions demonstrate an interest, and it reveals that our pondering actually shows an interest in our relationship, that we want to actually move deeper in understanding the truths of who God is. And though I'm encouraged by these folks asking questions and finding myself in good company, I hope you do too, that, that asking questions is good, what, what disturbed me a little bit was his response to their question. Why are you talking in parables? Why are you doing this? Why are you speaking in stories? And his response is this, and it's a little disturbing. And he, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Jesus is saying this, and it feels to me like he's actually withholding himself, and he's, he's hiding things from people that he, he wants them to see, which I don't fully understand. And he says, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Does that make anybody else go, what? Oh, what, what? What? I thought you wanted, I thought it was your desire that everyone should turn and, and, and move toward repentance. How is it that you're speaking in mystery now and you're calling it a secret and people aren't understanding it? And you're saying it's so that they'll, they'll hear it, but they won't do anything with it. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even fly with what you've just said. And oftentimes the scriptures interpret the scriptures. It's awesome that he uses Isaiah. If you go back to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was told to speak to an unfaithful people. He was a faithful guy, and God said, I want you to go speak to an unfaithful people. And here's what's going to happen when you speak to these unfaithful people. The very thing you're calling them to, they're going to resent. They're going to resent. And until the, until the day comes when I bring the punishment that's promised, they're not going to listen. So what one scholar says is this is irony. This is a rebuke. And so Jesus is doing the same thing. He's, he's calling people to repent. He's calling people to turn. Turn 180 degrees. Repent from your reign and rule to my reign and rule. And he knows this. He knows that even though he offers them life and the forgiveness of sins, there are folks who don't want to hear it and would turn their back on it. I tend to, I tend to agree with this scholar. I tend to agree with this take on the word of God. It's a rebuke. It's irony. And Jesus is using this to say, hey, I know we're speaking to a, a people who, for the most part, remember the three seeds? There's three seeds that go a different direction. They hear, but they go a different direction. And there's one seed that doesn't, that they're going to re refuse the good news. It's just one opinion, one opinion from one person. But, but here's what I want you to walk away with. Pondering and asking the questions is leaning in. That's leaning in. That's leaning into the scriptures. That's leaning and asking God, God, explain this to me. I, I want to know more. And so they asked and the more they asked, the more they pursued, the more Jesus gave. Which I think is part of the genius behind the parables. It makes you think. When you hear a story, it, it makes you think about what, what's happening here. Rather than just giving these directives, he's saying, here, I want to tell you a story. And it makes us think about, what is he getting after? What, 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 what role might this have in my life? However, his kingdom has come in a way that no one expected and I believe that's why Jesus spoke in parables. He said, you, you've, you expected a kingdom to come and a king to come in a way that's not coming that way. So I'm going to tell you some stories about what the kingdom is really about and what it's really like so that you can actually grasp this upside-down kingdom that I'm unveiling before you. And, and I must tell you, when I read these, these parables and I read the, the, the fullness of, of Mark chapter 4, you know, there's a horticultural theme in here, seeds and planting and growing. And then right in the middle of all this, he has this lamp thing. Like, I don't get it. Like, does this just get misplaced? And I asked the question, started to ponder. Like, why would you use all these seed themes and then go to a lamp theme? And it didn't seem like it made sense to me, but when I look at it in context now, it makes perfect sense. He, he actually is saying to those folks, hey, I want, you to, I want you to actually respond and see what I'm saying to you. I'm not hiding anything from you. And he goes, pay attention. After he uses this lamp theme, he says, pay attention to what I'm saying. I want you to pay attention. 
Listen up. He goes, I want you to see this. I'm not hiding anything from you. And some people feel like we have to get it all figured out before we can take what we have and step into what God's given us and and actually use what we've given. He says, give me what you got. Give me what you have. If, If your faith is this big, if you know this much, step into what you know and let me multiply that. Let me step into that. I'm not hiding myself from you. I'm actually trying to reveal myself to you in a new and a, and a real way. And when we lean in, when we lean in, God gives us more. But I got to tell you, folks, don't miss this. Don't be mistaken. God's the one who grows the kingdom. God is the one who grows the kingdom. It's God who's doing the work. God does it. God makes it happen. This teaching along the shore is wrapping up with, with two more horticultural parables. He said, I'm going back to the seed theme. I'm going back to, to, to describe to you what the kingdom of God is all about. He says, the kingdom of God's now at hand. And when we lean in, he multiplies more and more. 30, 60, 100 fold within us. He's doing the miraculous. It's the supernatural that God does. It's the work that the Holy Spirit does below the surface where we can't see or experience sometimes, but, but it's actively present and working. So back to this theme. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is a man who like scatters a seed. He scatters the seed and he goes to bed every night and wakes up every day and doesn't seem like anything's happened. The seed's out there. And yet, unbeknownst to him, without knowing why or how this is taking place, he goes out one day and there's such a multitude of a harvest, he has to get some plowing equipment to bring it all in. It happens in a miraculous way, in a way unknown to man. He can't understand it. I get this. You get this? I love landscaping. I'm in my third home in Knoxville. Lord willing, it's the last one. Um, but I love, I love planting a landscape. When you plant a landscape and trees and perennials and shrubs and all that, you want to plant them in such a way that five or ten years from now they look healthy and grown. I've driven by the last two houses we lived in. The landscaping there is beautiful now. Mine and my house are just this big. But here's the reality. I love me a Leland Cypress and a Cryptomeria. If you don't know what those are, go home and look them up. They're like, they get like 40 feet tall. If you want the depth in your yard and the privacy that you long for, put those, put those, put those trees in and watch them grow. But I got to tell you, let me warn you, I watch, I'm watching them grow and not much is happening. Even with irrigation, I go out there every day and go, wow, they're, they're still the same size. What's up with that? And then one day I walk outside and before I know it, the house next door and his trash cans are gone. It's a miracle. 40 feet tall, these trees and shrubs are, right? They grow. Unbeknownst to me, how that happens, how that works, I'm not really sure. But before I know it, they're full grown. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. He goes, hey, lean in, press in. But I'm going to do the work in you. As you lean and you press in, I'm going to do a work in you that you can't do for yourself. That's the work of the Holy Spirit who's transforming us day after day after days in ways we can't see. God's at work. While we sleep and awake every day, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Always at work, fulfilling and doing the work he promised to do in my life and in your life and in the kingdom as he's drawing people into this mission and work of his. Folks, that's exciting. I know this to be true. I know that God years ago called me, as as he's done many of you, to pray for Two Rivers Church. And here's what I pray. Oftentimes, in my journal, out loud, behind the wheel of my Jeep, whatever. I pray this all the time. God, would you use us, Two Rivers Church, to be a gateway, a gateway to the good news of Jesus? Would you allow us to be a part of your movement and your work where thousands upon thousands of people in our region and around the world would come to know you and follow you? Would you do that? Been praying that. 
And it's been happening. And it seems like there's a wave that's happening right now, more so in the past than, than, than we've experienced in the past, where God is doing a work. He's drawing people to himself in new and fresh ways, in ways we didn't see or understand. Yet below the surface, God's been drawing people into the kingdom, into his work, which is pretty exciting. This parable reminds me that God's moving and working in a supernatural place where we can't see or understand. I can explain the Holy Spirit, and yet I don't fully understand it, but God's at work through His Spirit, drawing people and growing them and transforming them into His very likeness, where we become like the one we're following. God does this work in and below the surface as we pray, as we step in, as we ask God to do this work in our lives. We lean in, and God does a work of transformation. Now, some of you grew up in homes where your, your, um, your height was measured on a doorframe. Anybody? Okay, a handful of you, maybe in other venues as well. Hey, you, you got the, and, and probably the, the, the lower marks are lighter and they get darker as you go up because they're still, you can still see them, right? Some of you are, are tracking your kid's growth on the doorframe of your house. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. But let me just tell you this. Nobody grows from three feet to five or six feet in a week or a month, right? You don't have this big thing here in January and then by March, wow, they're six feet tall now. It doesn't happen that way. It happens slowly. It happens, it happens painfully slow sometimes over time. And that's what's the undercurrent here to these parables. And for the believer, it's not just passing time. You don't, become, you don't become deeper in your walk with God or a follower of Jesus just by getting older. I know a lot of older people, older than me, who are no further along in their faith than they were 20 years ago. But you do by pressing in, by stepping in and, and, and asking God, pursuing God, and, and moving in ways toward him in a way he has full access and total reign in your life so he can do the work he wants to do. I'm 62, proud to be 62. I love being old. Old comes with a lot of things, but here's the truth. Um, I, I got locked in middle school. I, I've never left junior high. Truth, true confession. This might be going a little bit too far, but I still think bodily functions and the sounds they make are funny. <laughs> still makes me laugh. I'm smiling about it, just talking to you about it right now. Here's another truth. All the things I was dealing with in middle school, I'm still dealing with. I'm, I've got the same exact struggles that I had in middle school, in eighth grade. In eighth grade. Only thing different now is I, I drive a car and I shave every day. But I, I got the same things going on. But here's what's not true about me. Or here's what is true about me. I'm not the person I was before. I'm not the boy I was before. I'm the man that God's creating me to be. And the, and the process of that, in every one of these areas that I'm still struggling with from eighth grade, God has moved me from one degree to another degree to another degree and is making me more and more painfully so into the likeness and forming me more and more into the person of Jesus. And that's 50 years in the making. And, and Lord willing, I got another 20, 30, 40 left. And I pray that God would continue to do this work that he began in me. I pray the same thing for you. And yet it's easier to see growth in someone else's life than it, than it is in our own, isn't it? It's easier to see someone else's growth. I was with a friend of mine last week in California. His name's Topher. And uh, this is a little bit of a sad story, but I, I met Topher 20, almost 20 years ago. And uh, he was at our church, and uh, his family was out in California. They'd flown to California for, for, for the holidays, and he called me from California and said, um, and he wasn't a believer, and uh, he said, his wife was, but he wasn't. He said, um, I, I hate to just tell you, I don't, know what you, I don't know what I expect you to do with this, but our son Zach just died of SIDS, 14 months old. Horrible. 14 months. That's a lot older than most SIDS patients pass away. And uh, he's, I just thought I needed to tell somebody. So I got on a plane, flew out there, and I walked them through the, the whole process of, of burying their first child, their first son. I mean, it was painful, horrible. And it, 
at the funeral, Topher got up and he said, and he's a smart man. He knew the Bible, just hadn't accepted it, hadn't accepted Jesus. But he said, I, I want to tell you something. He spoke to 300 people there. Most of those folks weren't believers. He said, hey, nobody comes to Jesus with right motives. I don't have right motives, nor do you. But I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today because I have a need, and my need is to see my son again. And so I'm accepting Jesus. Motives impure, but I'm going to see my boy again. And Topher, Topher stumbled over himself literally over the years to walk, for, to walk with Jesus, to find the reign and rule of Christ in his life, just like you and I have and do, right? And yet somewhere along the way, somewhere all along the way, God was at work transforming my friend into the man I saw last week, sitting across from him over some chips and guacamole. Um, I, I didn't recognize him. Unrecognizable unrecognizable, the growth, the transformation that's in his life, in, in his countenance, in his marriage, in his family, in his work, in his church. He's a leader in his church now. I never would have guessed or believed that could possibly happen. Over time, over time, God's done this amazing work. It's like I, 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 stood, I sat before him like, you're a cryptomarian, man. You're, you're a Leland Cypress. You just grew up overnight. 20 years in the making, God's at work, doing a work that only he can do. Folks, we're changed over time to reflect the one we're following. When we press in, we're changed over time to reflect the one we're following. We look a little bit more like Jesus all the time, and I wish it happened quicker. I'm an urgency kind of guy. I want it now. I want it today. I want it done. Let's do this thing. Let's get her done. And yet that's not the way of Jesus. In fact, it takes a long time, and there's often a lot of pain involved with it. I love Paul's words from 2 Corinthians where he says, And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God doing it from one degree to another. Jesus said, I want you to turn direction. I've come. The kingdom's come. I want you to repent and believe. Repent means turning direction. I want you to turn 180 degrees. And the 180 degrees, yes, it happens in the moment, but it happens over time. And what he says here, and this is discouraging and encouraging, one degree of glory to the next. One degree of glory to the next. It's, it's so slow, and, and, and the movement sometimes is so minute, just like that mustard seed, right, that grows up and takes over. It's so minute, it's hard to actually track and see until you actually look and see it and behold it. Folks, God's at work. If you've given your heart to Jesus, God's at work. May we be a people who are not afraid to press in, to, to press in and go, I call you king, I call you Lord, I've said that a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'm saying it today. God, help me to understand what your reign and rule looks like in my life in a new and a fresh way today. That's where God's calling us. So what do we do with this? I think we ought to ask this question. God, where, where in my life right now are you calling me to press in? This isn't a message for just any, like you're like, oh, this isn't for me today. It's for you today. It's for me today. It's for you. There's every one of us. If, you, if, you've, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's calling you to press in. It's a new day. His the fact that his mercies are new every day is because we need them to be new every day. It's a brand new day. Press in in a new way. And so let's stop. Let's ask God the question. Let's ponder for a half a second today, corporately, and ask God this question. We ask you across our venues to bow your head. We're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to reveal to us, God, what's the area in my life? What's the area in my life that you're calling me to press in? God, as we open our hearts and our minds before you right now, may we be a people who have ears to hear. 
that we'd lean in. Lean in and allow you to speak. And for those of you who are relatively new that God wants to talk to you, he's always talking to you. In this moment, I pray that you'd have the ability to hear him. We'd have ears to hear. Yeah, it sounds like my voice. Yeah, it sounds like your voice. That's how God speaks, but it's not your voice. You wouldn't say the things to you that he's saying to you right now. So let's ask God, help us to just name it. What's that, what's that area in my life that you're calling me to press in? God, thank you that you're not hiding yourself from us. You're not playing games with us. You're not mysterious. You're not, you're, you're not beyond our grasp or understanding because your very spirit reveals who you are to us. God, thank you for that. Thank you for um, the clarity of who you are. And I ask God for every one of us that you'd find us being a people more than ever before pressing in, leaning into all that you are, all that you have for us, all that you're calling us to, God, so that you would have your way and your reign in our lives, but that we would have, we would be about your mission and your work and your reign and rule in this world you've called us to live in. God, would you continue to transform us one degree of glory to the next to be more and, like, more, and more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Some next steps this week. I hope you'll continue to ask this question. God, what, what area in my life what area of my life are you calling me to press into? And when you move through that one, move to the next one. What area of my life? It, it, ought to be a, it ought to be a place in which we live as followers of Jesus. God, what, what's the next thing? What, what's the next area that you want me to, to submit in a new way under your reign and rule? And then join the rest of us. How do you lean in? There's no better way to lean in than to be in the Word of God. We're studying the Word of God together in Mark. And so this next week, we call it a live it out section. It's in the right side of your bulletin if you open it up. And in that live it out section, it's a discipleship guide that's going to help you walk through some of the parables and continue to ponder and ask questions about what God is saying through his word and what its application could be in your life. Live it out with the rest of us. It's so encouraging to know that we're not doing this alone, but we're doing it together. And there's no better way for us to press in right now and to acknowledge his reign and rule in our life than to stand and worship the king himself. So here and across all our venues, I invite you to stand. Let's worship the king.